This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today on the show, I have the privilege to welcome on former Panther Ricky Prohl. I know, I know. He played for a ton of teams in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Rams and the Colts. But he also went to the Panthers Super Bowl as a player. He went to the Panthers Super Bowl as an assistant coach, uh, the, the second Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50. And and so uh, when in, he actually went to one other Super Bowl with the Rams as well uh, that they lost. So they won one, lost one. Um, so uh, thrilled to have him on the show today as a Panthers fan. Uh, he spent three years a- as a player, and overall, he spent 23 years in the NFL, 17 of those playing, and and so just a, a remarkable uh, career, and the stories that he shares today, you're going to love them. The fact that he played with Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, Jake DeLome, uh, pretty cool pretty cool stuff and, and stories from those guys he, he shares with us. And what's also amazing is his two sons are now in the NFL as wide receivers as well. Austin Prohl, Blake Prohl. So keep an eye out for them. They're young wide receivers. Blake's with the Vikings. Austin is now with the Giants. And, and so uh, I'll ask him, uh, I'll ask Ricky uh, about his sons as well. And, and what's also cool, Ricky is now running, uh, it's called Prolific Park. Uh, so spelled, you know, Prol like Ricky Prol Prolific Park. Uh, it's a basically a, a sports performance complex and fitness center, and and so does a lot of coaching training, and and it's a cool spot for for people, uh, really families to be able to go to. And he'll talk about that as well. Uh, so it's a, a really fun conversation. I encourage you to listen all the way to the end because hopefully you always do that anyway. But some of the best stuff is actually right at the end. And, and so it, there's this big buildup, this big story, this big uh, kind of journey that, that leads to him really sharing his heart and, and sharing how God has, has shown up in his life and, and, and just how his faith has grown. Uh, and just very honest, very transparent, very authentic, and, and just I, I loved his perspective and his willingness to, to share uh, where he was, where he's at, and, and some of the, the highlights of his journey and and really, we only scratched the surface today. So th- this this is going to be one of those those repeat guests. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, Lord willing, and hopefully, he's willing to come back on with us because uh, so much more to to get to. 
from a football standpoint, but also from a faith standpoint. But a ton here today for you to enjoy. Before we jump in, uh, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. MetaShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. MetaShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance. You can visit MetaShare.com slash unpacking it to find out if MetaShare is the right fit for you and your family. They've been the right fit for for my wife and I and, and our two daughters, and so uh, we're thankful for MetaShare. So, so check them out, MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. I hope you enjoy this interview. I hope you'll share the interview with NFL fans, Panthers fans, Rams fans, just fans of of great interviews. So so share it, spread the word. Uh, we also appreciate when you rate and review anywhere uh, where you listen to podcasts. And, and then also, if you haven't subscribed to our weekday email devotional, uh, I encourage you to, to subscribe for free on our website, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. We send it out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We, we take a sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives, designed to encourage and inspire sports fans to follow Jesus. And so check that out, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. Well, let's jump right in. Here we go. Ricky Prohl on Unpacking It. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the MetaShare guest line, former NFL wide receiver, Ricky Prohl. He spent 23 years in the NFL as a player and a coach, went to five Super Bowls, won two of them. Of course, you know him from the Rams, but I'm a Panthers fan. He was here with us for, uh, for a few seasons as a player as well as a coach. And so excited to have Ricky on today. He now owns, manages, and coaches at Prolific Park, Prolific Park, and, and so it's a clever name. Uh, it's a sports performance complex and fitness center uh, he built in Greensboro, North Carolina, up the street from, uh, from Charlotte. So, Ricky, so glad to have you on Unpacking It today. How are you? I'm doing great. So glad to be here, Bryce, and uh, I'm honored. Honored. It, I'll tell you what's hard is, is hearing former. It's just uh, it's hard to get uh, – to that you know you just uh you know it's such a, a large part of my life 23 years like you said as a player and coach but uh yeah it's weird seeing former nfl wide receiver and coach ricky prole but it's uh i feel like i'm still coaching I, as a matter of fact i know i'm still coaching but uh at, at the nfl level yeah well no that's a fascinating perspective because i always think about that when when it comes to former players to where you don't want to let it go because it's so important and it played such a key role in your life, but you also have to move on and you're not that player anymore. Yet you were that player. That's still who. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I definitely can't unpack it much, but I don't know if you can unpack that, that mentality. And no, you, you said it perfectly. You don't ever, you know, you, you, you got to move on. You don't have it anymore. Um, and it, it's coming to grips with that. And I think the sooner you as a player, former player, you can come to grips with like, no, you still can't play all the time. People say, Man, you look like you can still play. I said, well, looks are deceiving. I, I could probably give you about two, three plays maybe, and um, and that would be about it. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – no, you put it perfect uh, the way you 
the way you said it, it it's uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And and, and you mentioned you're, you're still coaching. And so I, I'm curious this this process, because I remember when you left the Panthers as an assistant coach and, and then you, you, you went to, to go all in with, with your park. What was that transition like for you and that decision to uh, run this park and to, to now be a, a coach? And you can explain to our, our listeners what, what all you guys do uh, at, at Prolific Park. It was, um, I don't want to say it was easy because it, 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 was, it was an easy decision. It was the right decision, um, but it wasn't easy. And, and, and it's, it's, it's I, don't, that, I don't know if that makes sense. It was easy because I woke up one coach and, and um, Austin was a senior at Carolina a rising senior. He had one more year to play and I'd seen him play two, three times. And Blake, my youngest was starting school at Carolina and he was also playing football. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I prayed about it, said, you know what, I could always come back and coach, but I can't come back and have this moment as a dad and, and, and not be able to watch my kids play, um, was hard for me. You know, I think no matter how old you are, if you're competing at any level, any age, whether you were first playing baseball, basketball, soccer as a young kid, what did we do when we scored our first goal or hit our first home run or base hit or scored our touchdown? We looked up in the stands or looked on the sidelines for mom and dad. And for me, it was just, it hit me one day. I'm like, man, I haven't been there for Austin. You know, when he looks in that stands, I haven't been there. Mm. And it really resonated, hit home. And I said, man, I, I just, I want to be there for him. I want to be there for Blake when he starts his career. And so for me, that was the right decision. I wanted to be there for my family, my, my two boys that I, you know, they grew up, me coaching, us playing in the backyard and, and all the things that they had dreamed about was coming true. And I wanted to be there to, to see that. And um, but then I looked back at the Kelvin Benjamins, the Devin Funches and to watch how their their career has kind of unspiraled. And, and I feel like I had something to do. With, you know, I, I just not being there for them because they're two really good players and, and they just needed that, you know, I look at Kelvin, his mom passed away and she was everything to him. And, and he didn't have a father figure. And I was that father figure. And people just assumed, he, hey, it's time to come back and play football. And he wasn't ready. He buried his mom and, and wasn't ready yet. And it really affectionately. And that's the things that, that I love to share is that people, the public, they don't know that. They, they don't know what these kids, they're, they're still kids, even though they're grown men playing a, a grown man game and making grown men money. They don't know where their background, where they've come from and what they're going through personally. And, and that was the side of me that still hurts, to be honest with you, Bryce. Wow. And that's, and those are the, the tough challenges in life because oftentimes there are two good options and it's like, man, I want to be here. I want to be there, but we have to pick the, the, the best option and, and where God's leading us. And, and, and that's, that is, it is hard. It's easy when we know it's the right thing to do, but it's hard to, to, to right. leave that, that other, other aspect behind. Um, and so you, you mentioned your, your two sons who now have, have both made it to the NFL, which is, it's remarkable to, to think of a, a, a family like, like yours in the NFL. And, and so now you talk about, man, former player, it's hard to let that go. Well, now you're a dad of two guys in the NFL. So, so what has that experience been like being on this side of things? For me, for me, it, it, it's, I, I feel for my boys, because I, I think, you know, they always get to refer to as it, instead of Blake or Austin, it's Ricky's, you know, Ricky's sons or, you know, this is son of Ricky Prohl, receiver Ricky Prohl. And, and I think that, you know, they've embraced that. They understand it now. Um, but I, I think the toughest part is for me, I tell them all the time, I said, you've exceeded all my expectations. Just you playing college and, and having the ability to see them play college ball at Carroll CU and be successful at it and then even have the opportunity 
to be in the National Football League is gravy on top. Like, I don't really, you know, I just, my expectation isn't for them to have the career that I had. It's just, you know, I want them to be happy. That's that's the, the biggest thing. And, and I think for them right now, it you know, Blake's just starting out for, for Austin. It hasn't gone like he wants it to. But, you know, that's the thing we talk about you know, walking in our faith and, and God has a plan and you got to believe that. And I, I know the both of them, the, the, the trials they've been through, the, you know, them persevering um, to come out this, the back end. I mean, Austin's been released. He's made teams, practice squad. He's been cut, picked up and, and but he's really hit his faith. It's brought him closer to God now. And then I look at Blake and I mean, he's he had two knee surgeries. He just got hurt last year. He's having a great camp, and and you look at the verse he he uh, posted on his Instagram, and, and just you know, as as Kelly, my wife, we we just look back and just just so proud of both our boys and their walk in Christ, and how it's made them stronger, and it's made them realize that it's it's bigger than just football. It's it's more than just football. It's it's um it's trusting in Him that He has a plan. Amen. Absolutely. Well, just for your role as a as a dad in their in their lives, of course, wanting to be at the games and, and you, you talked about that. But but now that they've made it to the NFL, what is that role like? Of course, they want to, I would assume, tap into your experience and, and, and all the, that you learned throughout your playing and coaching days. But what's that dynamic like that, that father son dynamic? It's, it's awesome. I can't you know, it's, it's like I said, it's more than just um them playing at the next level and playing football, it's, it's our relationship has grown. It's, cool. it's me training them. I mean, I'm, I'm, they even want me to train them still, you know, like I go out to California, I work with their agency and, and I'll, I've trained Austin when his time was up and I've trained Blake when his time was coming out, um, preparing him for the combine and the draft. And, and, and then we continue, I go out there, I work with the agency. So I'm out there, in Orange County from to the end of March and they come out there and we still train. Then we train here at prolific right before training camp. So it's a privilege and, and it's an honor for me that they want to still be around dad, want, you know, my expertise and my experience that they understand that it, it's been, it's brought us so close together. And, 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 uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's so humbling that, that they still want to re- be around dad and they think enough. You can tell that they're, they're proud of, of who I am, my career, not just as a player, but as a coach, and they know my knowledge, and they share it with some of their teammates. And I've gotten some of their teammates to come to Prolific and, and train them, whether it was out in California, whether it was here at, in Greensboro. And it's it's uh, it's just been such a blessing. That's awesome. What what a, a neat opportunity to to be that that involved uh, with them, of course, as as a dad, but then to be able to coach them as well. So that's that's neat. Uh, well, so you, you spent 17 years a, as a player, which that number is still remarkable. Tom Brady's blowing all the numbers out of the water, but that 17 number is a, is a big deal for, for a former NFL player. And, and I'm curious, you, you mentioned talking about expectations for your kids and they've already exceeded it to, to make it to the NFL and all that kind of thing, but you making it to the NFL, what was your expectation coming out of Wake Forest and, and even going to Wake Forest thinking about an NFL career? It, it, was, it was, Bryce, it was one of those deals where, you know, every time you make that step from high school to college, am I going to be good enough? What's it like? You know, the uncertainty and um, and then the, the the same thing going to the NFL. You know, you have a good career in college and you get drafted. I was a 58 pick overall, but then you you go there and you're like, man, these guys are bigger, faster, stronger. And then you're like, can I? Am, am I going to be good? And you know, I had a, a really good rookie year. I was blessed to have 
some veteran players that took me under their wing and, and, and really, you know, helped me and taught me a lot. And, um, but then it's like, man, okay, I think I'm, I think I can play. I think I'm pretty good. Um, if I could play five years, that'd be great. That sounds good. Five years, you know, and then you get to five years and you're still having success and you're like, shoot, maybe I can get to 10 years. <laughs> All of a sudden I'm playing 10 years. Then I started eventually. I finally go to a Super Bowl and I'm like, man, fun. Because the first 10 was nine were tough. A lot of losing seasons, lot, you know, and I'm like, this is fun. Shoot, maybe, maybe I can make it to 15. And, uh, you know, and then it came down to 17 years, you know, and I've been in Indianapolis by myself, the Super Bowl year with Peyton Manning, which was an unbelievable. Um, and I had the opportunity to keep playing. I had offers from three different teams, but then it came down to family again. And just mm. my daughter was starting high school and I was in Indianapolis by myself and they were here in Greensboro and they were all three of them were going to Wesleyan Christian Academy. And I just uh, I didn't want to pull them out of school. They, they got close friends and. I'm like, this isn't about me anymore. I need to get back and be a dad, be a husband. And, and uh, you know, really, to be honest with you, I miss it. I miss the Sundays. I didn't miss the training camp. But family's everything to me. And, and I never looked back after that. Ah, that's that's awesome. And and to end it with a Super Bowl with the Colts, and, and that was the year the Colts beat the, the Bears and uh, just a great, great Super Bowl with Manning and Dungy. And, and so you were, you were a part of all that, which is uh, – which is pretty neat. What's maybe just a, a memory when you, when you start thinking about that game, what, what jumps out, what comes to mind? My, uh, the Colts bear. I think just, it, I wasn't active to be honest with you. I, I was inactive that game. I had, I had pulled a hamstring towards the end of the season and I was, I was probably healthy by the second round of the playoffs, but I was a game time decision. So I wasn't at, and the first thing I thought of was, well, it was pouring rain. So I probably wouldn't, I was trying to justify right. it. I probably wouldn't have caught right. any balls anyway. You got Marvin Harris, Reggie Wayne and, Dallas Clark out here, but, um, it was just, it was, there was no pressure. I had already, you know, um, played in three Super Bowls at that point. They used me really as a mentor to some of these young guys, even to Peyton. I mean, Peyton, as good as he was, I mean, he was just a student again. He was in my ear the whole week. What's the media uh-huh. like? What did I expect that, um, that I addressed the team, Tony Dungy, coach Dungy had me address the team and you know what the expectations are that the week of the Super Bowl, what, how you need to focus. And it's about the family. Let them have fun. This is a one-time deal. Don't be distracted by all the media attention. So it was kind of my kind of doorway into coaching almost and learning, you know, how I can, all the 16 years of experience, this was my opportunity to get on the front stage and share it with that football team that was young other than, you know, and then even Peyton, but just say, Hey, listen, this is what it is. This is a one-time deal. I'm here three times. I've lost twice, and I've won once. And it's the worst feeling in the world when you're walking off that field as a loser, and you don't want to look back with regret. You want to make sure that you know you've you've turned over every stone. You've prepared yourself to where you're ready to play. That you've got no doubt. Your preparation is off the charts. And I said, I'm just going to tell you, you know, there's so many things that go on Super Bowl week, parties, different things that you can attend that they want paid appearances. We win the Super Bowl, the money will come. Don't worry about that. Worry about winning this football game and, and media attention. They're going to want to pull you and say things and, you know, don't give the other team locker room, you know, material. But I said, focus everything. Let your family enjoy the parties and the, the NFL experience and all that stuff. Focus on being with your teammates, studying the game plan, studying your opponent. So when you're when that game that kickoff, you're 100 percent ready to win this football game, and and um, 
it was a great experience. Peyton to to be a you know for 17 years I was a player, but I was always I was still a fan. I mean, I, I grew up loving football and loving the NFL, and so even when you know I'd get up out of my off the bench to watch and Jerry Rice and John Elway and Phil Simms, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, played against Lawrence. I grew up a Giant fan, you know. So oh, yeah. for me, even Peyton, you know, even guys that I respected. I would, you know, talk to him before the game and tell him, you know, I love watching you play. You're great for the game. And so to play with Peyton and to see how he prepared, he was a kill. He could process information so fast and spit it out and get rid of the football. Um, it, it was just, it was a great experience to, to have that three months to have the opportunity to play with him because he is everything you want or you think that he would be as a, as a fan. He is everything just like that jersey, Luke Keekley. I mean, same thing. I mean, Peyton is a great teammate, great guy. He's he's a tough leader. He's tough. He expects a lot of his teammates, but he gives a lot. And, and um, it, he's an awesome leader. He, he was, it was great to be around him for those three months. Oh, that, that's neat. So you, you talk about being a fan. Of course, I'm a fan. And you played with three of my favorite quarterbacks, Jake DeLome, Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning. So I probably throw John Elway in there, but you mentioned him too. So those are my those are my guys. So that's that's cool. Well, I'm gonna tell you, Jake, uh, and, and Jake will laugh about this, and Jake would admit it. You know, you look at Peyton Manning, and Kurt Warner, and 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 um, Jake may have been. I don't want I don't want to say this um, in the wrong way. Maybe in those guys, I mean, they're Hall of Fame quarterback. He may have been the least talented as far as accuracy goes. Um, just to share a funny story, you know, I come from the Rams. Kurt Bolger, Trent Green. You talk about quarterbacks with an offense that was off the charts, we'd go two, three weeks in practice with the ball never hit the ground. Oh. Well, I come to Carolina, and we have a different kind of offense. Now, we're talented, though, and, and Jake becomes our quarterback, and there's times where the ball's nothing but hit the ground. <laughs> and, um, but if you, if you know Jake, I mean, I told my dad, I said, holy mackerel, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how, how good we're going to be. It just seems like we're just all over the place. And um, – but when you look at him, you start with Jacksonville. You know, my first game That's as a Panther. The guy's a gamer, man. He can look like absolute crap <laughs> Wednesday to, to Saturday. And then when the lights come on and, and – Let's go. He's – uh, and let me tell you, he, he he is one of my favorite teammates. And I've played with some great ones. He he is my top five. I'd run through a wall for the guy. He, he was the best. Best of the best. Um, he just – he owned it. He owned his mistakes. He owned. He wasn't like a lot of the guys that you know. They always point the finger. And he, he just, um, I love him, man. Love him as a teammate. Love him as a football player, a person. Um, he, he just, he's the best. And he was one of my favorite guys to play with. I love hearing that because, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never met him, but, but always uh, rooted for him and always defended him, even toward kind of the end of his career when things were were winding down for him. I still stood stu- stood by him. Hey, Jake's still the guy. Don't, don't, don't say anything about my boy, Jake. Now, that Seattle game in the championship. You no, know, I mean, we didn't have a run game. They knew we were doing it. We lost all our backs, and uh, he couldn't throw it broadside of a boat. But uh, <laughs> but he was uh, – he got us there, man. And he was uh, – we had a good three years, man. That was, the, the 03, uh, we could have won that one. And, um, and then to be back in 05, and that was a great football team, man. Great group of guys. You know, when you leave St. Louis – and Dick Vermeil and the group of guys that we had there, for me, you got to understand, my first nine years was awful. Some bad teams, bad, you know, it, it was, whew. And then I never think I'm going to experience anything like that. And then coming to Carolina, Foxy, you know, from 
Smitty to Moose, one of my all-time favorite teammates, to Jake and, and Dan Morgan. And um, you just go down the line. Mike Minner, all these guys, the linemen. Rucker. Um, Rucker, um, Pep. I mean, people ask me about Pep. You know, funny story. I laugh. Pep was so quiet. But, you know, when I was getting in my sixth, then I saw him when I was in Indy. He was in, uh, um, I guess it was Green Bay. He went to Green Bay first, right? Or did he go to Chicago first? Chicago first. Yeah, he went hey. to Chicago. And I saw him and he's laughing. He's like, he looks at me and he's like, bro, why are you still playing 17 <laughs> years? Like, what are you doing? You know, I said, because they want to pay me and I feel like I can still play at a high level. Then when I when he comes back to the Panthers, I come yeah. to him. This is year 17 for him, right? I think he played 17. I look at him. He starts. He knew what I was going to say. He starts <laughs> laughing. He starts laughing. I said, oh, what, 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 what are you still playing for, Pep? I now they're paying it. him a lot more money than they were paying me. That's but, right. Uh, he started laughing. He goes, no, I get it now. I get it now. Um, but it's it, just great cool. group of guys. And, and man, those three years in Carolina were, like I said, I never thought I would experience a team like St. Louis. And I did in Carolina. And that's a tribute to, to, to Marty and Foxy. Uh, they great job. Just you know, a bunch of good guys, good football players, good people together. Yeah, you know, a lot of people talk, hey, we had a special team. But from the outside looking in, those teams that you were on, those are special, special teams. That Colts team, the Rams team, the show, greatest show on turf, that Panthers team. Maybe nationally people don't, don't know how special that team was. But that was an unbelievable run to the Super Bowl to, to unfortunately lose to New England. But, man, you, so it's, it's cool. It's cool that you got to be a part of all that. That's a, that's yeah. a, those are some unique, unique teams for sure. Well, gosh, I could talk uh, football stories with you all, all day and go down memory lane, but, but also want to hear uh, about your, your faith journey as, as well. And, and so I'm curious, what, what have been the, the pivotal moments in your life where your faith has grown, where God has revealed himself to you, where, where, you, take, where, where you personally took steps of faith uh, toward him and, and, and toward obedience and, and that kind of thing? It's going to, I hate to tell you this, but it's going to be, it's kind of through football, to be honest with you. Yeah. It yeah. It really is. And, and obviously my wife, my wife, you know, I think when you, when you, when you walk, it, it's, um, there, there's several people that played a part. My wife was huge. My wife's a strong believer. And I've always, I've always, you know, I grew up a Catholic. I always believed in, in, in Christ. And, and, um, but I think that, you know, now I'm entrenched in it. Now, you know, it, it's it's funny, and I'll get to that. But I, I think for me, let's just go back to, like, my first – I said my first nine years. Um, I got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals in the third round. I was a 58th pick overall. You know, when you come in, you're just star-eyed. You know, you just want to play. You don't care about – you know, for me, it wasn't even about the money. It was just like, holy mackerel. I, I grew up going to Giants. I'm in the NFL. I'm lining up, and there's – Reggie White across from me, and there's Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims. You, you know, I'm like, hold on, snap out of it, Ricky. You're like, you got to play. You know, it's it's um, everything. Uh, you know, guys that you grew up so watching play, and now you're on the same field. And, and uh, so for me, I had a lot of success. I led my team as a rookie. Um, out of five years in Arizona, um, I probably led in catches, yards, touchdowns, probably four out of the five years. Maybe it was three. I don't know. But I, I, I was successful, but we were terrible. Yeah. And for me, no matter how much you're getting paid, no matter how much success you're having personally, for me at least, it weighed on me. Like just loot, like coming Monday morning, Sunday night, just keep 
in your butt. Well, you didn't want to turn on. I didn't turn on ESPN. Even if I played well, it was like just I had a lot of just bitterness watching guys that, that I played with that, you know, they're winning, they're on great teams. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden Buddy Ryan comes in and I, I end up having a decent year, but he brings me in and tells me I'm not fit. He's mm. going to he try to trade me, but nobody was interested. I'm going to put you on the expansion list, which was Carolina and Jacksonville. And if no one picks you up, I'll cut you. I go to Seattle. I break my ankle. I come back. They traded for me and, I break my ankle first game of the year. I come back. I rush back. I get back. I'm ready. In six weeks, they won't play me. I'm going from averaging five catches a year to I have five catches that year. Uh-huh. And I was mad. You know, I'm in my prime. I'm feeling good. I worked hard to come back and wouldn't play me. And then next year, kind of same thing. And I asked to be traded. I said, cut me or trade me. I literally was praying. Like, I, I was getting to the point where I, it's like I wanted to stop playing. I was like, I'm just not even having fun anymore, you know, and, and God, what, what's this all about? You know, what, what's going on? I, I just want, I want answers. You know, why, why is, why is this? And, and then I go to, they, Seattle finally cuts me. I go to Chicago. I sign there as a prove it deal. I'm the third guy. Curtis Conway, the start receiver gets hurt. I go in there, I start. I'm playing pretty well. I have like 25 catches after week four and I go from starting to not even dressing. So I'm like, how do I go from starting catching four or five balls a game to I'm not even, you know, I had two touchdowns, I think, to not even dressing. And the media's kind of getting me going. Like, what do you you know, what's going on? And this is a prove it I, I signed here as a prove it contract that I can still play, show people I can still play. If they're not gonna play if I'm not gonna dress, they need to cut me. You know, let me go and try to play somewhere else. And Coach Wansett was all upset, and, and they end up not cutting me. Curtis Conway gets hurt again. I go from not dressing two weeks in a row to all of a sudden back in the starting lineup. And he, he calls me out in the team meeting room the night before we're getting ready to play Minnesota, and he says, Ricky, he said, where's Prol at? And I said, right here. He goes, well, let's see what you do. Well, the next couple, I had nine for 160, 60-yard touchdown. The next week I had 20, uh, 12 catches for 120, a touchdown. I long story short, I ended up leading the team, catches yards and touchdown. They don't want to bring me back. So, so I, I you know, I, I, I prayed. I said, God, I had some teams that were interested in me. The Rams were one of them. I could have went back to the Cardinals. I prayed to God. I said, God, I just want to go somewhere where I can win. I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll play my role. You know, I just want to win. So, the Rams offer me a four-year deal. The Cardinals are matching. They're offering me a four-year deal. And I'm thinking, they got Jake Plummer. The Rams had Tony Banks. I'm mm. like, Jake Plummer's, you know, he makes things happen. He's a good player. I'm like, I think I'm going to go back to Arizona. I got friends there. I know people there. My wife's comfortable there. I said, I tell, I, I talked to Bidwell, the owner. I said, I'm 99% positive I'm coming back. Well, all of a sudden, my agent calls me up at midnight and says, you sitting down? I go, no. Why? He goes, well, the Rams just offered you this. You got to take it. And they offered wow. me a great deal. So... I played for Dick Vermeil, who I grew up in New Jersey, you know, watching the Giants and saw him in Philly. So I went there. The Cardinals go to the playoffs that my first year in the Rams. The Cardinals go to the playoffs. We're four and twelve. Oh. And like I said, I'm just God, you know, I have I lead the team. I'm the team MVP. Heard Bruce gets hurt. I'm the I'm the team MVP. The next year we trade for Marshall. We bring in Trent Green. We draft Tory Holt. So it's a Super Bowl run. Ah, uh, here we go. Dick says his spiel. We got some players. We've got 
all said next you know and dick was um i could talk about dick all day but next thing you know we're six and oh and we're just scoring like we're just it's like a track meet man we got we're going four wides and we're flying around and the best um, then we're we lose two we're like six and two and then we go on a run and start winning the rest of the games um i think we lost the last game to to philly because we didn't play anybody but um but the funny thing is that whole season I had prayed. I just want to win. I don't care. I, Lord, I just want to win. So we're winning. But everybody's, we're the greatest show on turf. Most, most prolific. That's right. Scoring offense. In any, and who hasn't scored a touchdown? Ah. This, and, I mean, we defensively, I think we scored six or seven touchdowns that year. Our, tight, our tackle eligibles are scoring touchdowns. Our tight ends. Everybody. I mean, we are scoring 40 points a game. And I think about it, I'm like, this is what you asked for. You said wow. you didn't care, you just wanted to win. Wow. And, um, you know, you talk about humbling. I'm like, Lord, just just one touchdown. <laughs> and <laughs> like, now you want a touchdown. Now I want a touchdown. Like, and, and it, but it just, it just really, you know, I, it was like, just you, because you, you want, you, I'm human. I'm human. You know, I had a great role. I was a third down guy. I'd come in there, I'd catch a first down, I'd get my signal, go to the sidelines and, you know, I had my role, and, and I was happy with that. But but at the end of the day, you just just give me a touchdown just to feel like you're part of the greatest show on turf, you know, a hot, most prolific scoring offense. And we go to Minnesota, first round of playoff. I don't have a catch. We we blow them out. Isaac has a great game. And, and then we get to the championship game against Tampa. We're struggling. Their defense is unbelievable. I mean, they're, they're hitting us in the mouth. They bloody – Oz is banged up. He's hurt. Um so I'm playing a little more than normal. I'm making, you know, I'm having a big game. Torrey gets bruised ribs. He's hurting. Um, so we get in the fourth quarter, and it's 6-5. We're down 6-5. We're in a Donnybrook, man. It's a slobber knocker. And we had worked on this play, and it wouldn't have been me. It would have been Oz, but he was banged up. And normally if the safety, if they're blitzing, I'm going to run a slant. But we worked on, hey, they're jumping the slants give them a slant move and run the fade. Mm. And we talked about it. A timeout. And we were trying to get Marshall option. It was third and four. And um, we were timeout and me and Kurt kind of talked, Hey, if that safety comes out of the middle field, I'm giving them a slant move. I'm going deep. And I'm sitting there wide left, flex left, 585 H choice was the name of the play. Cool. And now Marshall, the H choice, just he had the choice to run that option route. And I see that safety start coming out of the middle field. And I'm like, man, this is game on. This is it. I gave him that slant move, got around him. Me and him were kind of fighting. And Kurt throws it up. I try to box him up, box him out. I catch the game-winning touchdown. I'm going to tell you right now, you talk about chills, just a dream come true. I didn't hear a thing. I remember Isaac jumping on me. It was like they said the place erupted. And that place could get so loud. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear. It was like me. As a kid in my pajamas, running through slow motion, just you know, look, seeing my family, you know, and then and and just like eternity, and then uh. they gave me a hug, and it was like someone hit the switch, and it got loud again. I took that moment mm. after I, you know, all the and I sat on that bench. I just closed my eyes and I just gave thanks. Wow, it was that moment. All my trust, everything that I dreamed about, it just come true. But he. He's that resolve of just, hey, this is what you asked for. This is you went through this for a reason, and this is what you asked for, and I gave it to you. But then, and when the moment, the biggest moment that I had prepared for my whole life, it, it was that that was the whole 
deal for me. It, it just set me up for prolific park, the battles that I've gone through here, um, the, the, the trials that we went when I opened in 2008 and the economy went and the money I had to pour into this place to, to keep it going. And to show you this right here shows me that he's still present. And, and, and every time I thought the park was going to be in trouble, something huge happened. He provided, he, he has always been there mm. to show, Hey, I'm here. You're good. Amen. Um, to me, the huge moneymaker, has it done this? I, I never got in it for the money. I got to get to give back, to be meant to mentor young people and, and bring community together. All the, the stuff that has helped me get to where I am. But when I was coaching, we were struggling and I had to write a lot of personal checks and Jerry Richie had a moment that I needed. And that to me mm. was a God thing too. When I, where I was struggling financially because all the checks I was writing to pay the bills and pay my staff, he called me and said, I think you'd be a great coach. Do you want to, you want to come up the road and coach? And I said, absolutely. And those six years helped me to, you know, solidify the business, to get it back on its feet. Um, but I opened up in that, those years I opened up, we were a sports complex, a youth complex only. And I said, you know what, I'm going to start, I need to have another revenue stream and I, I want to bring families together, not just have kids here, but bring families together. So mom and dads could play with their kids and there's a fitness center and they could play basketball and soccer and all that stuff. And they could work out while their kids are practicing. And, and so we opened up a fitness center within my building and my sister helped a great deal while I was coaching. So we finally finished it in probably 2012. And she was taking of the prolific park sign after they hung the sign on the side of the building. And, and, oh, and just, just look, just look, what do you, what do you see? Well, I see a cross. Exactly. She's taking a picture of the sign. She never saw it across. You wasn't seeing the cross. Whoa. So what, what is and, that? Right. You got to understand. So look at this window. This window has a metal beam down. Oh, the middle. wow. So the reflection, there's, that's a street light. That's a, that's a parking oh, light. So that gosh. parking light and that beam has to line up perfect. The angle she took that picture at that particular time, it had a perfect with the <sighs> middle beam of the window and then have the cross. Oh my gosh. That's powerful. That, that to me, again, I got you. I'm here. Man, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was just in a, a Bible study life group last night and somebody shared a, a very similar story in the way that God moved in, in such a, a tiny detail and, and, and reminded this guy in my group, Hey, I'm here. I love you. I'm faithful. I'm good. And, and all that kind of thing. So God's moving and it's in those little ways. It's in, it, it depends on unique ways for each of us so that we can hear him. We can see him. And, and he reveals himself. So that, man, thanks for sharing. That's cool. That is good stuff right there. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's things like that have changed my life. You know, I, I was that guy that I'm, I'm, I love people. And, and even as a young kid in college, pro, I love to hang out. I love to party. So being a Christian, I think there's a lot of people. What I try to do is encourage young people. I think people are afraid to make that jump, you know, and I was. You know, Kurt Warner used to kind of, Kurt, you know, we all know he's he's a strong Christian and he Bible study. I was intimidated. You know, he'd say, hey, come to our Bible study. Come to our Bible study. And I was intimidated. I was like, well, I don't know all the verses. I don't know. You know, you're going to drill me. What the way he approached it, to be honest with you, intimidated a lot of people. I was insecure about my faith, to be completely honest with you. So what I've tried to do is I've learned from that experience because I, I think a lot of people are afraid to dip 
put their feet in because they're worried. I'm, you know, I sin sometimes. I fail. I do this. I do that. Is is that going to make me less, you know, a Christian? Or, or am I even am I am I good enough like to mm. be a Christian? You know, and I think mm. is it cool to be a Christian? And, and I think for me, what I really here at the park and, and what I try to teach young people is that you know for I like to party I like to have a good time and, and, and am I gonna have to change that and what I did was I said I'm gonna change it I'm gonna do it I want to I want to learn more I want to learn about Jesus I want to learn about the resurrection I want to learn about the second coming I want all that stuff and, and for me you end up wanting to change you end up changing do it just because you're doing it you're reading about it and you just the Holy Spirit just become, you know, and, that, and that's the thing that I try to share with, with young people is don't be afraid that it's, it, but it's cool to go to Bible study. It's cool to hang out with Christians. We all, you know, we all love to have a good time. I mean, Christians don't have a good, because you all think church and everything's got to be, you know, can't do this, can't say that. And, and that's so untrue. So it takes people that trip and fall or like where I've been and where I am now. To say it's okay, it's all right. Mm. It, it, I promise you, it's cool, and I promise you, he's cool. Like he, it's Amen. wonderful message, man. No, I, I appreciate that, and and that's really our philosophy here at Unpacking It is we're sports fans following Jesus, and we love sports. We love watching games. We love having fun, enjoying the excitement of games, and then we're here to remind each other that that's not the end all be all, and right. and, and how and, and how do we experience the the love and grace of of Jesus. Uh, together, but but also it doesn't mean well. Now I can't watch sports anymore. Well, no, we watch sports with the right perspective, and and how can we leverage sports fandom to ultimately experience fellowship and and, and grow in community and, and that kind of thing? So, um, absolutely, absolutely, I'm, I'm right there, right there with you, and uh, and I think that's a good good message for for people to hear because yeah, it's <laughs> it's cool. I mean, it's cool to to to, to follow Jesus. And and I don't know if that definition, whatever that definition means, but uh, it is it is cool, absolutely. So, well, Ricky, man, it was cool to to be able to hang out with you today and and to hear your story and to hear your heart and and just appreciate you sharing that. And uh, gosh, yeah, one of my favorite players to to put on the Panthers uniform, and so uh, so fun to be able to have you here on unpacking it, and uh, really appreciate it. Bryce, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Allowing me to share my story. Absolutely. We'll, we'll do it again. He's Ricky Prohl joining us here on the MediShare guest line here on the Unpacking It podcast. Be sure to check out prolificpark.com and, and you can check out everything that, that Ricky and his, his family is up to there. And keep an eye out for his sons, Blake and Austin, uh, playing in the NFL as well. And, and his son, Blake, is also a singer. So next time we'll have to talk about that. We'll get into to that a little bit as well. But he's Ricky. I'm Bryce. Thanks so much for listening here on Unpacking It. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in studio, and, and let's unpack this interview. That was fantastic. That was a, a real treat, and... Uh, Man, we've been on a roll. Just some some really awesome interviews here on the podcast and so thankful to all of our guests. And today, Ricky Prohl. Wow, really cool stuff and, and lots to unpack. And so let's go kind of what we were just talking about with him. <laughs> the concept of, of cool, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are afraid to follow Jesus 
because it's not the cool thing. And you know what? The reality is it just doesn't it doesn't matter. So we were kind of joking, oh, it's cool to follow Jesus. No, it is cool, whatever cool means, but that's not really what it's about. You know, we need a Savior, and he, Jesus came to die on the cross for you and I and offers us eternal life and grace and love. And so that's pretty cool. That, that's about as cool as it gets. Um, so, you know, are we cool? Are we, am I cool? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really that cool of a guy anyway. Right. Hopefully little Maddie and Michaela think I'm cool. But other than that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But I think what Ricky brings up is, is really important, especially as he interacts with, with younger kids, uh, that, that come and, and, you know, work out and, and are part of his prolific park. They're looking for, you know, what's cool and am I going to be cool and all that kind of thing. And, and I think, and then they're wondering, oh, am I going to have to stop doing this or stop doing that? And that's why I brought up the idea of, you know, as sports fans, it's not, it's not about stopping watching sports or stopping our sports fandom or, or anything like that. It's just as we grow in Christ and as we begin to follow him, as we take the steps, we take the next step, we just allow God to work in us. And, and things that, that used to matter don't matter as much. Things that used to entice us don't entice us the same way. I still love sports, and I don't think I love sports any less than I did when I was 10 years old, diehard NBA fan, collecting basketball cards, watching inside stuff, staying up late watching games with my dad. I, I still love it all, and I still watch, I'm still staying up late watching games with my dad. Uh, we watched the Final Four together. Um, so I still love it. However, I, I, if I miss a game, it's not the end of the world. If, if my team loses, it's not the end of the world. And so that's just one example. And then when it comes to other things in life, things that I was enticed by in high school or college or things that interested me, I've, I've matured in my faith. I love Jesus more now. And those things aren't, those, those don't matter to me anymore. I don't, I don't want to pursue those things, especially when it comes to sin. Uh, there's certain, you know, things that I struggle with when I was younger that that's not the same story now. Thankfully, God has matured me and, and, and given me the, the strength to move forward um, and so, but it starts with just taking the next step. And, and so I think too, what Ricky brought up in regards to, you know, a lot of people are in t- intimidated to go to a Bible study and, you know, I, I, I hate hearing that, but it was also a great kind of wake up call for me too. You know, even as we invite people to different stuff that we do here at Unpacking It and ministry opportunities, fellowship opportunities, you know, it may be intimidating for people and, and we need to be aware of that. So how do we make it more inviting and, and help people to understand, hey, the reality of come as you are, we're all in process. We're all at different points in our journey. Let's allow God to move. God is real. He is faithful. He's patient with us. There's so much grace. And we don't want to stay in our sin because sin destroys us. And so, the, you know, whatever it is, you know, partying or whatever, you know, that, that always gets the, the big you know, Ricky brought that up. That's, that's, it's a big thing. People, you know, high school, college, whatever. It's like, you're caught up in that. Oh, I don't want to give up partying. Once you, once you, you taste the goodness of the Lord, you experience the goodness of the Lord, that, that stuff is, <laughs> it's worthless. But at the same time, you, you, you learn to have so much fun and you can have a good time. And Jesus was great to be around when he was here on earth. People wanted to be around him. He was, he was enjoyable. He was, he was, you know, the, his character is a perfect character, but we can be that as followers of Jesus too, where people want to be around us and we're fun people. It doesn't mean we're going nuts partying, but we're, we're celebrating, right? We celebrate life. I, hopefully I'm, I'm fun to watch games with. Hopefully I'm, I'm fun to, to be at a wedding with. 
um, those kinds of things. Um, because I care about people, I'm, I, yeah, hopefully <laughs> tell a good story here or there, whatever. So all of that, those kinds of things, um, we want to be we want to be inviting as, as followers of Jesus and, and whether it's just, you know, kind of normal stuff interacting with people, but then also inviting them to, you know, more intimate settings in regards to getting into the Bible and praying with in, in, in fellowship situations, small group, life group, we call them packs. We've got the unpacked lunch, that kind of thing. Letting people know, Hey, you don't have to have all the answers. We're, we're, we're growing together. Some of us have a few more years of experience and knowledge of the Bible. We're going to share what we know. doesn't mean that we're going to rip you for not knowing. So, so we've got to have that mentality. So, so I appreciate kind of Ricky's honesty about that when, when he was, you know, at a certain point in his journey uh, feeling intimidated where, you know, maybe a guy like Kurt Warner was further along. Um, and sometimes it just it comes down to our approach, too, with people. And, and evaluating what is our approach. Uh, we want to be inviting and, and ultimately want people to experience a real God, the true God, the loving God, who welcomes us right where we're at. He meets us right where we're at. In, in our brokenness, he wants to be there to reveal himself to us and to heal us, to redeem us, to redeem our lives, and, and give us eternal life through Jesus. So again, as we follow Jesus, we'll want to change. We'll start to change. Our character will change. Our desires will change. Our pursuits will change. Uh, our desire for sin will will begin to, to to lessen. There's still the temptations. There's still challenges. But but as we grow deeper and deeper and deeper, sin becomes less and less enticing. Um, and then we go deeper into our heart, and, there, and we realize, oh wow, there's there's still a lot of sinful attitudes that may not be on the surface. They may not be as evident as, as partying, but then you get deeper into your heart where there's, there's pride and there's a lack of humility and envy and bitterness and, and anger that, that, that God wants to, to redeem and heal uh, as well. And so as we follow him, as we dive into his word, as we pursue him, then those things become, they get revealed. The Holy Spirit works in us, transforms us, changes us, and we're all in process to continue to become more like Jesus. We got to take the steps toward him. So, uh, so good stuff there. And then I also loved what he shared in regards to when you know we all pray for certain things. And even a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked about this topic uh, with an, about another guest brought this topic up, where where we pray for specific things and we're crying out to God. And 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 in some ways, those things might even be selfish on on the surface level, right? Like Ricky Pro wanting to be on a winning team, winning team and then wanting to score a touchdown. Oftentimes God will answer those types of prayers so that we will see him, know him, and it will change our heart because we we see how real he is and how much he cares about us. And it's not about him just giving us whatever we want. It's about us knowing him, and he wants us to know him. And, and in his sovereignty and, and all-knowing ability to, to, to understand who we really are, he understands that if I, if I provide this for them and it, it points them to me and, and their eyes go toward me in thankfulness, in surrender, well, then God will work that out, right? That, that, that he uses those things. And I've seen him show up in so many ways in my life and, and, and just specific answers to prayer that, that 
only I realized or, or only like that I could have known or only he could have delivered an answered prayer in, in that unique way because it was so supernatural and, and out of like, it just, it just, yeah, there's no coincidence. Like, well, yeah, God showed up. And so then in those moments, it's like, God is real and powerful and good. And so then, then we start to, we, we love him more. And then, um, it, it becomes less and less about, Oh, just answer, answer this, this prayer. I just want this. Now, then our prayer becomes, Lord, what do you want for my life? How do you want to? How do you want me to move forward? You know, it's like it's a you go from I want to play here to where do you want me to play, Lord? And and so we we mature and we grow. And again, we're all at different parts in our journey. But I think God answers certain prayers at certain times, ultimately all for His purpose and plan and for His glory. And and sometimes He doesn't answer prayers because He knows what's best for us and and He's got something better down the line or we're coming at it from such a, a selfish way and, and there there's, it wouldn't be good to answer that, that prayer. Right. And, and, and we have to trust him in that, but I do think he, he answers in, in just unique ways. And, you know, even for me, I, I've said this before probably, but when I was coming out of college and in college and, and my dream for my life, I, I, I always looked up to Dan Patrick. I think he's the best radio host out there. He has the best show. I've always enjoyed his show back to when he was at ESPN. And so I wanted to be the next Dan Patrick, whatever that meant. And so I, I, I modeled things after him and, and, and really looked to him, even though I never knew him or met him. But I, I chased after that. But, but then ultimately God changed my heart and I, I went on to, you know, get into ministry with unpacking it and, and wanted to, to go sports and faith. And so I'm not really on the Dan Patrick path. Thankfully, I still get to host a podcast and, and get to interview incredible guests uh, like Ricky Prohl, and, and I'm doing so many of the things that, that I set out to do. It's just, it's in, in God's plan and his purposes, and, and it's, it's, it's different maybe than what I thought. But along the way, years ago, back in 2019, guess where Unpacking It ended up? The radio show was on Sirius XM, the Dan Patrick channel, Sundays at 9 a.m., that's a remarkable thing for a faith and sports show to be on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick channel. <laughs> I, it doesn't make any sense. But God, God used that. That was for me. I, I don't know how many people listened. I don't know how many people heard. But God opened that door for me because he loves me. And, 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 and ultimately, I'm not, I'm not doing unpacking it for me. I'm doing it for, for you and for listeners. And, and I just want to point people to Jesus. I want people to know the God that I know. I want people to know the Jesus that has changed my life. But along the way, God reminds us, hey, I'm with you. I love you. I'm faithful. I'm good. And he just, he'll, he'll sometimes just give us good gifts because he's our loving father. Just a good gift. That being on Dan Patrick, you know, ultimately, the, the, our, our path, I'm so thankful we're here as a podcast, video, we're doing some really cool things now, but for that season, uh, we ended up on that channel, and, and that, just that connection for me meant a lot, that, that God was moving, and uh, it, it was just, it was, it was kind of out of the blue, it, it was just a cool thing, and so uh, those are the types of moments that, that God shows up, and so, you know, pray for those moments, and, and ultimately, if we want to experience God. We want to know God. That's what it's about. And so let, let's let his glory shine through. And, and sometimes he will. He'll, he'll answer some, some cool prayers just because he's, he's good and kind and we don't deserve it.
We don't deserve it. But Ricky Prohl got to score that touchdown, a crucial touchdown in a big moment in the playoffs after you know, not not catching many passes that year. The greatest show on turf. Uh, we all remember him being a part of it. Uh, but Azahim, uh, and of course, Holt and Bruce. And so he was right there in the mix. But then he got his moment. And he knew that God gave him that moment, allowed that moment to happen. And it, it, it strengthened his faith. So it ended up not being about the touchdown. It was about strengthening his faith and, and, and preparing him for, for continuing to, to grow in his faith and then to pour into his sons and daughter and what he's doing now at the prolific park. God, God's in all those details. And then for that prolific part, you guys didn't be, you weren't able to, if you didn't watch the video uh, version of the podcast, you didn't see there was a cross on this, on, in the window of this picture that he was describing. It's just a remarkable thing. It's just a little thing for God to show up and say, hey, I'm in the details. I'm right here. I'm with you. I, I love it. I love it. It's just uh, we serve a wonderful God. So, uh, so those are my thoughts uh, to unpack here today uh, following that interview, and hopefully something in there was encouraging to you, uh, and it draws you closer to the Lord and, and just your hunger for him, your desire to know him and experience him. So I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. We enjoy sports together, uh, but sports aren't everything. They're not, but they're fun, and we get to, we get to have fun together. So thanks for listening today to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will talk to you next time. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.